good. You arrived. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. Your mic. Wow, it looks so good. I, yeah. I kind of thought you sounded. I don't know how far away to talk from it. That sounds yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yay. Oh, man, that's so mic. exciting. Ooh, all the podcasters out there. Yeah. Woohoo. We're actually professionals now. Yeah, for all of you listeners out there that didn't realize, I've got a new mic. It's the same as Nif, exactly the same, um, because my headset wasn't good enough, which you won't be able to tell on our other podcasts. Um, we don't know. Oh, what's that drink? That looks fruity. That looks really nice. What's it? It's a little whiskey and ginger to uh, Ooh, wow. loosen me up for this very, very intense topic <laughs> for today. I'm loosening up on a, it's another, it's another dimension of packaging of Bud Light. It's claim your free 24 case. Hashtag Bud Light 24. Ducks and caps. Oh man, Bud Light. Well, I'm Niftune and that's Jack Apollo 13 Swigger. So I guess that makes this Ducks and Caps Space Exploration Edition. Woohoo! Ducks and caps go into space in a rocket. Whoosh, <laughs> hey guys, how's it going? Woo! Yeah, oh, I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm excited to know what, what it is that we're talking about because obviously you sent something over to me and even that itself kind of rocked my world. And I felt, I was telling my housemate about it, I felt deeply saddened. And he was like, why? Why does that make you sad? And I was like, it, it just really does. Like, I don't know, I felt some kind of like emotional connection and it was torn away and it was all done in like two minutes. And I just went on this journey. So I'm excited to learn more. Well, I'm glad you are. And we are talking about a very important journey today. That was an excellent segue that we had not prepared, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, well, yeah, to begin with, I guess a bit of a caveat, uh, which you're now aware of, Jack, which is that I am severely emotionally invested in space exploration to an almost concerning degree, I would say. Um, This is turning into a theme. (laughs) hobbies to an almost concerning degree (laughs) in another episode we can talk about short obsession which is definitely like a disorder that i suffer from where i do have some interesting niche obsessions one of which we'll be discussing today and yeah i mean so in a in a recent article that i wrote I actually talked about C. elegans, which is the humble research worm. It was in the context of neuroscience techniques. And I was talking about it in the context of there being some specimens of the worm that survived the 2003 Columbia shuttle disaster. And man, even writing about just that was like hard for me to keep it together. So yeah, really, man, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's very impressive that you're able to write you know, articles on it and that you you have that much of an interest in it. Um, for, for those of you, if our uh, football Super League podcast hasn't aired yet, then that's probably the most I know or have an interest in a single topic. I think I'm, I don't, what did you say? Like um, semi-obsession or semi-obsessive. I'm probably yeah. not that, but I can't remember what the phrase is, but I just know a little about a lot and never a lot about a little. Yeah, jack of all trades. <laughs> Master of yeah, none. Yeah, very true. Whereas I'm a master of about seven trades and then know nothing about anything else that's like useful, <laughs> like basic geography or, you know, how to live in a society as a functioning human. <laughs> it's like Neve hasn't paid her tax in years. <laughs> you have to pay that? 
yeah, I'm very, very excited um, to to go on this journey and to see to I guess to learn to kind of um, to learn about one of your um, you know, healthy obsessions um, and to possibly turn it into to one of mine as well. That's the beauty of it is that suddenly the knowledge is shared and we can all join on the journey, which sounds amazing. Yeah, man, I hope so. And I think this will probably be a long one. So I'll jump straight in and I'll take you back to 2013, 2014, a younger NIF. And I was on YouTube listening to rehashes of Paramore or whatever it was at the time. And I heard the song <laughs> Saturn by Ryan O'Neill, who is behind the musical project Sleeping at Last. Now, Jack, we were talking about his music today. In, in a sentence, how would you describe it? Um, an emotional roller coaster. It was intense and amazing and insane and everything drawn into one. There's very few songs that I kind of like feel like I've, I've said this already, but kind of gone on a journey with like, have you ever listened to, uh, is it Hippie Poller by Sugar Rush? You know, like the Icelandic one. You'll know it. it's on like loads yes, of yeah, yeah. yeah, it's on like loads of stuff. That one and like people really feel with it. Um, this I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, wow, this is insane. Like it, it, yeah. There was a lot going on when I was listening to it. I then became obsessed not just with his music, but his musical interpretation of the planets and emotions and personalities. And I think we'll talk about that in the future as well. Um, but as a result, I became really interested in Saturn. Uh, I nearly got a tattoo. I decided that I was like spiritually kin to Saturn, the planet. I'm pretty sure that I actually went vegan because I was like, Saturn is the god of agriculture, but I don't remember. <laughs> not sure if that's true or not. Anyway. <laughs> just uh, just bringing the veganism in and we'll just dive away. <laughs> and straight back away from it again. Um, anyway, so Obviously, a consequence of, of this was that I, at the time, became really interested in following the news about the Cassini-Huygens exploration mission. Mm. Um, so today, I would like to talk about that. It is indisputably, I think, one of the most interesting, one of the greatest missions in our human history. So it was launched on the 15th of October, 1997, the golden year. And it was a beautiful Wednesday and the Cassini-Huygens mission began. It was a joint venture by NASA and the European Space Agency and also the Italian Space Agency, the ASI, because Cassini, the probe, was NASA's. Um, in fact, it was the fourth probe to visit Saturn. Um, and Huygens is the European Space Agency's robotic lander. And it was a great collaborative project. Um, had many thousands of people, I think, involved in, in the design and the architecture of it, as well as the delivery over 19 years and 335 days. Oh my God. Wow. And over that time, Cassini traveled 4.9 billion miles and took over 450,000 images. 4.9 billion miles? Yeah. Billion? Billion miles. What? That blimey that's you know longer than i thought <laughs> it's longer than my road and i live on a long road <laughs> i remember reading it and being like have i got that right i know space is big and all but 4.9 billion 
yeah, it's crazy. It's hard to, I think, get your head around the sense of speed and scale and everything that goes into this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So Cassini is defined by four missions that are defined separately by time, but also sort of the budgetary approval process that was associated with each stage um, because it was extended a few times whilst Cassini was actually up at Saturn. So there's the prime mission, the equinox, the solstice, and then the grand finale, which is, I think, sort of the most famous bit. The last bit was very daring and like scientifically amazing that they achieved it. We'll talk about that in a sec. But the focus was Saturn to get to Saturn, check out the rings, investigate the moons, particularly Titan, and also to just help us going, help us understand a little bit more about what's going on in the Saturnian ecosystem. So Saturnian, it, is that the phrase? I think so. Saturn? I might need to check That's that. Word. I think Saturnian. it's Saturnian. No, we'll go with it. We'll just, um, just copyright it if it's not. Saturnian. Okay. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> So to that aim, in 2005, Huygens, the land apart from the ESA, was actually parachuted from Cassini down to Saturn's biggest moon, Titan, which was the first moon landing on a moon other than ours. And it was also the first landing of any kind in the outer solar system, which is, I think at the time it was, it was major. Can you imagine back 2005 being like we've landed on a moon. Landed on one of the moons of Saturn. Oh, how was your day, honey? Yeah, no, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Landed on one of the moons of Saturn. You had a Titan? Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Uh, I've just cold. become a, a, a hero there. of the scientific community. Yeah. <laughs> but so hang on. So let me get this straight. So um you've got you've got essentially the the rocket that is um that is going to Saturn and that's kind the of the NASA project. And then yep. you've got the probe, sorry, the probe. That's the NASA project, and then the European Space Agency, European Space Agency project is the landing vehicle or mm-hmm. craft. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you'd call it, um, and that's going to disembark from the rocket and land on Trojan, which is one of the moons of Saturn. Titan, yes. Sorry, Titan. Not Trojan. <laughs> <laughs> Titan. That's okay. It's all very related. To be honest, all the names are quite like. Of, of that kind. Sorry, so, Titan, sorry. which is one of the moons of Saturn. Yeah, okay, I'm with you. So Huygens, the vehicle, is actually named after the 17th century astronomer, the Dutch astronomer, Christian Huygens, and he discovered Titan. So it was all sort of, you know, coming back round that Huygens would go to Titan. I'm going to start crying already. Stress. <laughs> 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 Oh my God. Just the sentimentality. Oh, it's just too much. It's all like, sentimentality is a big part of all of this. My God. Oh, <laughs> actually, I'm gonna tear up. I just love it so much. <laughs> one Over sip of whiskey, probe. and I'm like, because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know this is gonna be tough to get through. <laughs> you're gonna see. You're gonna see Charlie after. <laughs> You see Charlie after this in floods of tears. I thought we were doing the podcast. You're like, we were. We were. Huygens made it oh. to Titan. Oh, we did geez. it. Hang on. Did, did, yeah. did Huygens. Yeah, okay. It did. It did. <laughs> we are then going to turn around and be like, and then it blew up just as it was about <laughs> to land. And I'd be like, no. 
I don't know a lot about the Huygens part of the mission. I think I read somewhere that it transmitted information for like 90 minutes. So I don't know whether it was that it transmitted for 90 minutes and then died or whether there was more to it. I don't really know. But either way, no. it was very, very cool. And, was, and yeah. we'll talk a bit about Titan in a second, but Titan... Titan sounds cool. It is cool. It is cool. During the trip, Cassini and Huygens together discovered seven new moons. Uh, it also witnessed... Saturn's great white spot storm of 2010, which is a really big deal because it was the, I have to look at my notes here, largest and hottest stratospheric cortex thus far detected in the solar system. And it also took some really cool photos of Saturn's famous hexagonal cloud pattern at the North Pole. Have you ever seen pictures of that? I don't think so. Um, I've, I've, seen, I've seen the big red spot, is that what they call it? Um, which is essentially a storm, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, um, but no, I don't think I've seen the hexagonal um, at the at the poles, but I'm going to Google it now. Yeah, do we, we probably should have had slides up for this to, to show you some of the things. But yeah, so the hexagonal cloud pattern, which, man, there are so many conspiracy theorists that have something to say about this, but ultimately it's just to do with, I think, like the gravity and the chemical composition. It creates this very cool... Hexagon, which is unusual Whoa, in nature yeah, because you generally don't have that, corners it, and stuff. I mean, yeah, that looks like something um, off of Star Wars. Like the fact that it's shaped in such a way, it almost it looks like it's by design. Now I don't want to go into the theology of it, but <laughs> I can see why there's a lot of conspiracy <laughs> theorists out there that are like, that looks designed. But no, that's very cool. I didn't know that existed. I'm yeah. glad you told me about it. It is very cool. And it also changes color depending on the seasons, I think. So there's pictures of it where it's quite pink and then times where it's quite blue, which is, again, That's very, very cool. cool. The photos also. There's also dung beetles that can navigate their way around. Just <laughs> looking at. Earth's humble dung beetle navigates using the hexagonal storm of Saturn <laughs> one billion miles away. <laughs> Honestly, when it gets to like the 100th episode, that's what was going to come out. <laughs> oh, it's going to tie Christ. them all in together. There's actually a theme that runs through every single podcast and it's dung beetles navigating at night. <laughs> like an Easter egg of how many times in the series On did their way mention? to get a Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Anyway, so during the grand finale, which was the last part of the mission, the descent, if you will, Cassini was able to provide data to scientists to determine some really cool things like the actual length of a day on Saturn, which is 10 hours. And also that the rings, the very famous rings of Saturn are actually relatively new, maybe sort of like from the time of the dinosaurs, which is we think, you know, beginning of the universe pretty cool uh, but also that they're disappearing so gravitationally they are being pulled towards Saturn like sucked in I was wondering that whether you know because obviously you kind of look at Saturn and it's, it's got the rings and there's a, a gap between the the crust I guess and the ring and I was always wondering that because I guess how orbiting works it's that kind of constant pull inwards right so eventually they would all just you know essentially become meteorites or meteors yeah, yeah. Um, so straight through 
I guess. But I don't know. But ah, oh, that's very cool. So eventually, do you know how long it will be until they until the rings are no more? I did read some estimates about it. I think there's still quite a lot that's unknown. And from what I could see, there there's lots of discussion all the time about doing more missions that are focused on like the rings and some of the other moons as well. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but anyway, some rocks up to keep them there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there's there's lots that's not known, and the rings are still in many ways a mystery, but very cool. And there are some very cool images from Cassini of the rings uh, which are actually predominantly made of ice and like water vapor and things people always think they're big chunks of of uh you know asteroids meteors and stuff and there are some but most of it is actually quite thin just ice so because of the way that the probes work like Cassini and like these other probes, once they've actually got the momentum into space or a rocket takes them up into space and then they detach and then you just have the probe with the vehicle on it, Huygens. So once you have the momentum in space, the scientists use something called a gravitational slingshot to get the trajectory right. I made that sound very easy. It's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> they, just, they just wick one out of the back pocket, get the trajectory right. Bob's your uncle. Just like a little slingshot here and there, a little uh, reverse yeah. park, and then you're done. <laughs> but it's it's really cool for Cassini because when I was first learning about this, how many years ago, I thought, you know, rocket, you kind of point at Saturn, you calculate where Saturn will be by the time it gets over there in seven years or whatever, and there you go. But that is not As how the crow it works. flies. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You'd think, just straight on, uh, draw, draw a line. But no. Uh, what they actually did is Cassini had to go over to Venus, so a planet closer to the sun, did two flybys around Venus, and then came back to Earth, went past Earth, and then went on to Jupiter to then get the slingshot effect over to Saturn. And Cassini didn't orbit Saturn. It was like a, if this is, if my whiskey here is Saturn, it was like a, like an ellipses elliptical shape right. so Cassini kept doing this so it was like drawn in by the gravity and then yeah so I was gonna again. say yeah the the little I know about um I guess planets and how rockets work is yeah exactly what you said and obviously the gravitational pull is stronger the closer you are mm. but then you you're I guess you're still orbiting but at quite a distance away um so yeah I thought I thought that was really cool the the slingshot idea um but I would say like I guess if I was one of the like the, the scientists, you know, coming home explaining it, being like, "Yeah, so we're actually going the other way, right?" Just, just bear, just bear with me, bear with me. Right? We're going to go towards the sun. It's like, no, Jack, you've got it wrong. You've got it wrong. We're going away from the sun. No, trust me, guys. Trust me, guys. I got this. <laughs> like it makes no sense, but obviously it makes so much sense because I'm not a rocket scientist. A meme from like it's always sunny where he's like <laughs> with like all the connect the connections. Are really, yeah, I've done the math. I've done the math. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Danny anyway. DeVito's there being like yeah. <laughs> you're an idiot <laughs> oh, anyway so as I said it had to go past Earth again once it'd gone around Venus so like, I think two years-ish later it came back past Earth and there was quite a lot of controversy uh, about this because do you know how they power these probes in space? Um, I guess I mean you know, I, I don't know that much about physics, but I guess you would need some sort of oxygen to burn, to 
create propulsion no so that to be honest i don't know that might be the case for some of them but for cassini and several other probes like uh ulysses and galileo Uh, they probably can't yes they can yeah and also new horizons they use a radio isotope thermoelectric generator Uh, that was the first thing that i thought i was like surely to get it compact it has to be like new nuclear fission or fusion but i was like no that's dumb they can't put a nuclear reactor in like a tiny rocket oh and yeah they can (laughs) it's plutonium 238 which is decaying and they use the heat from the decay to generate electricity oh my god the decay it 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 does decay right and no i'm jumping ahead i'm jumping ahead the controversy we'll get to there so the controversy that came about at the time is As you can imagine, plutonium, not all that safe for humans. And because they had calculated they would need to do the fly over the Earth, some scientists and people were like, well, hold on a second. What if things go wrong when you're passing back over Earth? Cassini explodes over Earth's atmosphere or, you know, crashes back on Earth, God forbid, when it's doing the pass. It's pulled into the gravitational pull. Yeah, then you would have a nuclear episode uh, and yeah, you would. So NASA actually did the calculations to work out what would happen. And they said that there was less than a 1 million chance of it happening. But if it did happen, then probably about 5 billion people would have been exposed to nuclear energy. Uh, and it would probably mean about 5,000 cancer deaths, which on the scale of things is pretty small. It would be like okay, yeah, yeah. Some people might like grow an extra head or whatever. I guess it but... is pretty small, but if it's if it's you and it, it's like, oh, why have you got a death from cancer? And it's like, oh, this rocket was going to Saturn, and you're like, oh, it's just doing the gardening. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a rocket going to Saturn. So I can understand why people were um, concerned, but equally at the same time, in the name of science. Ultimately, if I go back to the first point, then this actually comes full circle with me with Cassini because Ryan from Sleeping at Last started composing a repertoire of songs to do with cosmic events and astronomy. It's actually called Astronomy, the series. And in September of 2017, he released a song called September 15, 2017, Cassini, the grand finale, because dear listeners, Cassini had finished her mission (laughs) and hurled herself into Saturn (laughs) and she did not survive. (laughs) When I tell you that I cried, I, man, I have never been as moved by a song as I was knowing, knowing at the time on September 15th, 2017, I remember the end of the Cassini mission. And then this song came out. And can I just tell you something as well, just to make this worse? So NASA have uh, videos and stuff about Cassini. And there's one where they, it's quite cinematic. And they they talk about the mission and the grand finale. Might have been the one that I sent to you. And they talk about how once Cassini had been directed to you know, go into Saturn, that it she sort kept of... trying to point her. Yeah. Kept oh, like trying course, to... yeah. The internal computer wanted to like correct itself and was like sending error messages. And it was like, Cassini knew that something was wrong. And it was like, just close your eyes. It'll be over soon. <laughs> oh, oh no, that's awful. Oh no, I hate it. Oh, God, and all the comments on all those YouTube videos. I know, I like... was, yeah. I was... RIP. Just watching it and it was like, yeah, and she like... 
because he still wanted to just send like the signal to be like, look, I've taken more photos. Look, look, you proud of me, dad? You proud of me? <laughs> Blown to smithereens. Oh my God. I was telling my housemate about this and he was like, he was like, it's just, it's just a robot, right? Like there's no, there's no attachment. And I was like, yeah, but you haven't seen the video. I was like, you've got you to haven't see seen the video. video, man. You got oh, the video you got means so up. much with the music as well. Oh God. Hits you. And it's just what it represents as well, you know? I feel sad that I didn't know about any of this while it was ongoing. That's, I feel, I feel a bit deprived about that. The fact that there was all of this going on and this massive mission to Saturn and Cassini and, you know, Cassini's launch and, you know, whizzing up around Neptune and back past Earth to Saturn. And it's all, you know, it's all in the past now, right? This is all, this is all history. Cassini is no more. She is metal or not even anything. I don't know what she would be going through the, the like the stratosphere of Saturn, but it's, it's sad. It's, is strange i don't know because it's not it's not human right like it's it's just an inanimate object but i guess it's i don't know yeah you're, you're right it it does affect something in you but you're also right that it is interesting that we don't talk about this stuff as much in like modern pop culture i mean mars perseverance is going on now yeah i don't know whether people it's not that they don't care enough i don't know whether they can relate to why something is so important um because i guess you would like if someone turned up on the news tomorrow and was like we've managed to land a probe on uranus i'd be like cool but if they were like we would never be able to do that in the next 100 years and then they managed to do it and that's a massive achievement so i guess it's the context of it that that you know people are maybe missing myself included right? i don't know what is achievable and what's not when it comes to um landing probes or um you know sending probes into into the solar system but i agree we should talk about it more so going back to the middle of the mission then the biggest appeal of saturn compared to other planets is that it is this very mysterious ecosystem of rings and moons and moonlets and each part of the system is in itself a scientific phenomenon So as I understand it, Saturn has 82 moons, 53 of which are named, um, and the largest of which, as we've talked about, is Titan, which is bigger than Mercury. Unnamed. Oh, yeah. There's loads, loads. Name them. Can we name them? (laughs) I think they're like pending scientific review, but yeah, I reckon you probably can. Please, please have a moon. (laughs) You know you want to. So... Titan is bigger than Mercury and about half the size of Earth. So as moons go, pretty freaking big. Titan is bigger than Mercury. Yeah. Wow. So So Titan is almost a planet in itself. Exactly. It has a solid rock hard water surface, like many of the moons, because obviously they're further out from the sun, but it does have liquid water underneath which is very important and in terms of all of the moons of all the planets in the solar system it's the second largest only to ganymede which is is one of uh, jupiter's moons jupiter's yeah jupiter's moon ganymede and it's particularly interesting titan 
compared to the other moons because it is the only one that has a comprehensive atmosphere, which is mostly nitrogen, like ours. So the fact that it has a comprehensive nitrogen atmosphere and has liquid water, those are like quite important parts of what What's gives... What's a comprehensive atmosphere? Well, as in there's complex chemical interplay there's and different it's, gases and yeah conditions for life you know um pr- protection for example so you could actually walk around on titan with an oxygen mask because there's no oxygen um and a big coat because it's very cold it's like minus 179 <laughs> degrees but the air is dense enough because of the nitrogen complexities that means you could you could walk around which is very so amazing potentially send humans yeah if you if you had oxygen and a thick coat then yeah seven years it's a lot of solitaire that isn't it it's a lot lot of solitaire (laughs) so it's really cool so titan has the conditions that you know are i guess favorable to to uh human exploration of of other worlds or yeah moons it has many of the conditions that are interesting uh, for life. And Cassini actually flew very close to Titan 127 times over its... So 13 of the 19 years Cassini was active, 13 of those were actually orbiting Saturn. But Pioneer 11 and Voyager 1 and 2 did check it out when they went past. But Huygens was obviously the first to actually land on it, which is another reason why this is such a poignant space mission (laughs) in terms of some of the other moons then hyperion is cool because it's the largest irregular shaped moon it's kind of like a potato it's regular shaped moon it spins chaotically um does that mean that it's newer if it's irregular because i imagine that as time goes on erosion more spherical called hyperion hyperion yeah and it's the only large moon in our whole solar system that isn't tidally locked so most moons are locked so that they are always facing the planet that they go around so like think of our moon we only ever see one side of the moon yeah the dark side of the moon stuff yeah exactly and that is true for most large moons except for hyperion which is kind of cool very porous hyperion yes it is yes and then in terms of other notable saturnian moons enceladus was another really important of cassini's quest during the grand finale and that's because enceladus actually sprays out it has an ocean and it sprays its ocean out into space and cassini passed enceladus and was able to sample the water and the water that comes out of enceladus actually creates one of the rings of saturn the e-ring So if you look up a picture of Saturn, there's a ring and Enceladus sits in the middle of it and it creates the ring. So the whole ring is made of the ocean spray and the minerals and everything that come from Enceladus. And it's also the most reflective body in our entire solar system. It's super white and super smooth and nobody knows why. It's like a mystery of the universe. Why is Enceladus so super reflective? Maybe it's an old moon then, if we're going by the previous logic very cool Enceladus and it so it's 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 in the ring right it's it's part of one of yeah. the rings and that's mm-hmm. wow imagine it's that imagine cool. living it's like where do you live oh you know you know Saturn you know the rings yeah in the ring yeah. <laughs> in the e-ring my postcode's e 
in the area. <laughs> east, yeah, east, east of the ring. So one particularly interesting read harrowing conspiracy that sits within tier seven of the Reddit conspiracy theory iceberg, if you're familiar with that. Oh, geez, we'll have to do an episode on the Reddit conspiracy theory iceberg as well. As in, I know about Reddit, but I don't know about this particular pyramid. Okay, iceberg, but yeah. So Sorry, iceberg. <laughs> on tier seven, there is a theory and it is about Saturn and it's to do with scarring on several of the moons. So you can look them up, Rhea, R-H-E-A, and Dione, D-I-O-N-E, have these massive tracks on them, these like scars down them that look like people describe them as, as if a space bird has like sat on them and like clawed them. Uh, and there are also conspiracy theories about them being like ancient glyphs or something like that, because they're very unusual compared to lots of other moons. Oh yeah. I can see the lines across it. Is that not just where a meteorite is? Yeah, definitely. Gosh. But that doesn't make for a good <laughs> conspiracy theory. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Yeah, it um, looks like a giant bird or a space bird was landed on. Yep. And also there are two other moons, Iapetus and Mimas, that are cool because they both look like the Death Star because they have a like major crater on one side. That we're talking. Now, oh, it does. It does, doesn't it? Mimas is the Death Star. Wow, that's so cool. Why is there that bit in the middle? That's interesting. Surely that's not how a crater would be formed, no? Oh, that's, well, You've got I mean... a massive rock going in. Or maybe that is the rock. Maybe that's where it gets lodged afterwards. Yeah, you're right. And Iapetus is also called the yin-yang of the moons because one side is super black and the other side is, like Enceladus, super reflective. Which, and I mean, yeah, there's many factors, positioning and stuff, but it's super weird. Yeah, it does look strange. It's like white, yeah, it's it's almost like, um, I was going to say Christmas pudding, but yeah, it's like, uh, it's like dark at the bottom and then lighter on top. Kind of, it's very white, like chalk white. Yeah, very like strange. Dover. Do you know anything about any of the other space probes that are still present? Um, no. <laughs> Like Voyager 1, for example? No, I would be lying if I said that, that I knew more That's than okay. I did. I knew, that, I knew that there was a space probe that was basically to try and get as far out as we could get it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure which one that is, but, you know, Voyager would possibly make sense. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, you know, I, all of these are kind of one-way missions, right? Um, and one of them, I don't know how far they got, but I would hope that we've managed to get out of the solar system and a bit further by now. Um, but I'm not sure if we have. Um, and then I'm trying to think, I'm trying to wrap my brain. So I definitely remember reading something about these are the latest photos or images that we think we've got of the Milky Way or the Milky Way that we're in or the galaxy that we're in, or, or I can't remember how far we got. Um, but is that is that Voyager 1? Is that the one to try and get as far away as possible and still return photos? You are exactly right. So Voyager 1 has been going for 43 years now, and it went past wow. the orbit of Neptune slash Pluto back in 1989. So since 1989, wow. it's been beyond the planets. So it is in 
interstellar space and it's still going in the direction of the Ursa Minor constellation. And that's the one that famously has the golden record on it. So it's got a thing on it that contains pictures of Earth and like Greek audio messages recorded in different languages, pictures of people, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I remember. And here's a fact about Voyager to make you feel very small. So Voyager 1 is well past our immediate system, as I just said. But if you define our solar system as everything that is within the gravitational pull of our sun, whether that's planets mm. or debris or whatever, then actually Voyager 1 will still be in our system for another 14 to 28,000 years. What? <laughs> That's how big our solar system is. Oh, blooming heck. I was waiting. I thought you were going to be like... <laughs> so we haven't heard about this yet on the use, but we've actually found another planet. We're just <laughs> going to be robots. It's going to be robots doing this podcast, being like, oh my God, have you heard that Voyager 7,297 <laughs> has made it to Ursa Minor? <laughs> But the, the issue is that neither of the Voyagers will actually... So Voyager 2 is going towards the Andromeda constellation, but similar purpose. Both of them won't collect information past 2025. So they're, they're not going to be getting information for us about Ursa Minor. Yeah, they're just, just, they're just going. There's another life form that they can be like, oh, wow, we found this. So hang on. So when, when was it launched? 1989? That was... 1989 is when it went past Neptune-Pluto various hairstyles possibly a mullet which actually you know possibly be up to date now given the new the new fashion i'm trying to think of what they would have put on it right so we're talking vinyls the beatles 1977 that would be an interesting capsule to see what's in that yeah definitely wonder what they put in it no tiktoks would that's, you that's for sure <laughs> no tiktoks not even vine i know such millennials, slash Gen Z. Um, what would you put in yours if you had to put in three things from now, right, to, to describe the era? Okay, don't get me started, but I actually have discussed this quite a lot. And <laughs> we might have to cut all of this out of the podcast, but I would definitely put in that record that we are a vegan species because because you can you imagine <laughs> aliens seeing us and being like well they subjugate other sentient life on their planet so uh <laughs> they're pretty hostile no i would be like no we're just a lovely peaceful species with fields of soy and wheat i put in a peace sign and a glastonbury ticket as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and then I would probably put a TikTok compilation in there because we've got to be pretty proud of that. Um, mm. It's a fine line, isn't it? I mean, the question of how do you want to portray yourself to aliens is a bigger question, right? Man, how have we portrayed ourselves to aliens? I mean, we've been putting information out there for long enough, haven't we? Episode on SETI, mm. for sure. Trying to contact extraterrestrial life. <laughs> but I don't know. What about you? What would you put? Um, if it was like this year, then obviously they'd want to know about they'd want to know about our culture, which means they'd want to know about our sport, which means they want to know about football. So probably something to do with West Ham, you know. Um, I'd probably edit it to put us top of the league, um, but you know I'd send that out because we'll be there one day. Um, <laughs> um, 
No, I don't. I don't know what I'd put in there about humans. I think you. You. That's the thing, right? Do you do you do it for where you are at the moment, like the year, you know, twenty twenty one, or do you do it when it might be found? So something that's more timeless, right? Like, if you could have some sort of container, would you put in a flower or something natural to be like this is the type of life that we have here? We have trees and leaves and that sort of stuff. Um, I think I probably, I think I probably would. Something to describe what, what it is to be human. And this is our finest tequila. Here's <laughs> a snifter for you. <laughs> you like Cuban cigars, boy? <laughs> oh, but I mean, on the golden record on Voyager 1, there is like, I think there's like art and films and stuff. Maybe not films. There's definitely I art. There there's, def- there's, like there's conversations definitely... as well, I think. Yeah. I'm trying to remember it now. Oh, to aller le prochain. And the aliens are like, oh my God, they have swimming pools on this planet Earth. Oh my God. One day start a biblioteca. They don't even know where their own library is. God. What did you say in your first bit in French? French? Yeah. Do you want to go to the swimming pool next weekend? I, I never did French. Um, <laughs> what other languages? I don't know any other languages. I only did Spanish at school. But um, for everyone else in international waters that's going to hear this, oh, I know. <laughs> I'm so dumb. I was going to do sign language. Our <laughs> <laughs> oh, visual listeners, go on, go on. Um, something like, I don't know what my name is. And I think that's good morning. And then I'm Jay. Uh, a, a C, C. It's like a. that. Yeah, it's like that. Okay. Very good. Well done. So you knew it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> so annoying. <laughs> so there we have it. A super cool Saturnian system and the heartbreaking tale of Cassini Huygens. I'm going to go and sit in a corner and cry and refill my whiskey and... Thanks I'm going to go listen Jack. to Saturn and cry as well. Yeah. So I hope everyone has a great day. Go listen to Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next week. Goodbye. See you next week. Systems ACS-1, we just had transition to high rate mode. And uh, we are in the atmosphere. We have lots of signals at X-ray band and Sierra band. Project manager, flight director. Go ahead. Okay, we call loss of signal at 115546. Project manager on FSO cord. Maybe a trickle of telemetry left, but just heard the signal from the spacecraft is gone, and within the next 45 seconds, so will be the spacecraft. Uh, I hope you're all as deeply proud of this amazing accomplishment. Congratulations to you all. This has been an incredible mission, an incredible spacecraft, and you're all an incredible team. I'm going to call this the end of mission. Project manager, off the net.